Amen. Uh, we are staying on our series of discipleship. And today's focus is on consecration. Consecration. That word means dedication to the service and worship of God. That's us. As disciples of Jesus Christ, that is us. We are consecrated. We are dedicated to his service. We are dedicated to his worship. We are dedicated to him. Dedicated. We are committed. We are set aside. We are reserved for him. For his purposes. Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30 says this. This is Jesus talking and he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is Jesus talking. For I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. Uh, when me and Andy and David were out in California at that men's advance recently, we were talking to, to Kevin Booth, um, and he's the lead pastor at Turning Point Church, Church, and he was telling us a little story that this just passionate young, you know, young man got up to, to bring a word to the youth group, and, and he used this passage, and, and he was talking about the, you know, the yoke of the Lord is easy and light. And he had an egg, and he cracked it, and he started, like, moving the yoke around. He's like, look at how easy the yoke is. Look at how easy. It's light. And uh, afterwards, um, Kevin just kind of put his arm around him and said, brother, um, it's not that kind of yoke. You know, there, there's another yoke. And, and so, like, Kevin, like, found the opportunity, like, in the youth, he's like, you know, and that's a good example. You know, that's that's a good opportunity. But I, you know, the the yoke, and that is a yoke, and the yoke that the Lord is talking about here is is like a harness. It's it goes over cattle, and it and it and it keeps them on you know on course and direction. But that's a good analogy too. You know, and I'm like, oh, that what a gracious brother. You know, because I'd have been like, this ain't about eggs. He ain't he ain't preaching about Jesus or about breakfast rather. Take my yoke upon you. Question. Is this an invitation or is this a command? It's both. But it's not either or. Okay? It's both. It's an invitation and it's a command. What it's not is a suggestion. See, Jesus doesn't make suggestions, Jesus isn't coy. He doesn't just make suggestions. When he says something, friends, we can take it as a command. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. But friends, it's a command. And why do I say that? Because everything the Lord says and every command he gives, we can take to the bank. It is good for us. It is healthy for us. It will grow us. It will protect us. It will provide for us. Everything that Jesus says Every invitation he gives, we can take it as a command. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Oh, doesn't that just sound amazing? 
for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. But I need to make something abundantly clear, friends. There's a yoke that he calls us to put upon, that we are to carry. And a yoke is not, it's not, a, rec- it's not, a, it's not a beach ball. He's not saying, hey, let's go have a tickle fight in the fields. Hey, let's, let's play beach ball, you know, in the pool. A yoke is an instrument of work. A yoke is an instrument of work. And this is Jesus saying, take my yoke upon you. Not, not some yoke that you come up with. Take my yoke. Take my work. Take my mission upon you. Now I want you guys to know that in talking about this, that, that, that it is easy and it is light. But the ways we walk it out come with difficulty. The ways we walk it out come with challenges. But when we look at the entirety of of finding ourselves in Jesus Christ, it is light and it is easy. But the day-to-day walking out, there are challenges and there are commands that he makes and there's obedience that's needed that will be difficult and that will be challenging. Jesus expected the men that he was with to obey him. They were required to be set apart from this world and the things of this world and yoked together with him and his mission. And friends, he expects the same thing to us. As followers of Jesus Christ, the same expectation is upon us. That we be set apart from this world and the things of this world, the systems of this world, and yoked with him. They had to be consecrated. They were not required to be smart. But they were required to be loyal. In fact, loyalty would become one of the defining traits of his followers. And and it was a while. It wasn't until the book of Acts that we see that the Christians were called Christians. Before that, they were called followers. They were called students. They were called pupils of Jesus. One of the defining traits was that they were loyal, was that they followed, that they were teachable. Friends, can we say the same thing about us? Are we loyal? Are we teachable? Will we follow? Man, God just can't use a know-it-all. He just can't. Someone who's not teachable, someone who won't follow, he can't use it. It's his yoke. It's his ways. It's his mission. In time, followers, followers, always take on the character of their leader. Followers, they take on the traits and the characteristics of their leaders. Our leader is Jesus Christ. And he talks about a humility of heart. He talks about a a meekness of heart. He talks about, let me teach you. So the followers of Jesus should be teachable. You guys, the simplicity of this approach is remarkable. He didn't ask them to agree to a creed. He didn't ask them to follow 
uh, uh, just this set of rules. The simplicity of follow me. Follow me. It's just incredible in its approach. And that's what we're asked to do as well. We are asked to follow him. But friends, quickly along the path of following him, we have to learn the very next thing of obeying him. If we're following him, and he says, hey, hey you guys are going to come off the beaten path now. See this hill? We're going to climb this hill. Let's go. Right now, obedience is needed. Right now, trust is needed. But Lord, that path is so much smoother. And if I can see this right, it might be a little shorter. A shortcut, if you will. Jesus, let's take that shortcut. He goes, no, no, no. Follow me. There's things to be learned overcoming these obstacles. There's character to be forged walking over these rocks. There's ways you're going to grow in integrity by taking the hard route. I didn't say we're taking that route. Now, I don't know if Jesus would say this, but let's just assume. And I didn't ask for your opinion on it either. I didn't ask for you to guide me. I didn't ask for you to lead me. I'm leading you. I'm leading. You guys are following. How often do we, do we just kind of impose upon the Lord our, our really good suggestions? Lord, this is so much easier. Uh-huh. Follow me. A call to walk in faith in the person of Jesus Christ requires obedience to his word. I'm going to say that again. A call to walk in faith in the person of Jesus Christ requires obedience to his word. Okay? We're following a person. We're responding to a call to follow a person. Not a set of rules, not a religion, not a set of tenets. A person. And it requires faith. It requires trust. It requires belief. A declaration to love the person of Jesus Christ requires obedience to his word. We can't say we love Jesus and choose to be disobedient to his word, to his commands, and to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We all have love languages. We as people, we have ways that we receive love, the ways that we that we like to be loved. A lot of times we love in those same ways because that's how we want to be loved. I could care less if I never get a card the rest of my life. Just give me the gift card. I don't need the card. I'm just teasing. Cards are actually nice. I'm just making a point. My wife, on the other hand, loves cards. You know what she would really love on Tuesday? A Tuesday card. Just a Tuesday card. Baby, it's Tuesday. And so here's a pretty card with a nice script. And I love you, I love you, I love you. And you're awesome. Happy Tuesday. That would make her day a Tuesday card. She loves cards. So what does she give me sometimes? Just out of the blue. A card. I like, a, like a Wednesday card. I'm like, there's no such thing as a Wednesday card. Okay? And there's no purpose for a Wednesday card. She's like, no, happy Wednesday. I love, you know. Normally it's to remind me that I haven't given her a card 
quite as frequently. It is, but it's good. I'm dense, baby. I need reminders. I'm slow. All of us men are slow. We need reminders. We just need some reminders. 20 years, yeah. I still need the reminders. So why do I say that? The love language of Jesus Christ is obedience. We're going to get to that in a second. But how Jesus hears love is obedience. And it doesn't matter that that's not our love language. That doesn't matter that, that that's not how we would define it. That is how Jesus defined it. His word is abundantly clear on it. And that is the way we must love him, with obedience. John 14, I want to read a few passages here from John 14 just to make a point. So verse 12 in John 14 says, Truly, truly. Anytime Jesus says truly, truly, really listen, guys. He's really trying to make a point. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And for, for those of you who are you know, really big into Twitter and you need a soundbite-sized passage, verse 15 Here's your 144 characters or less. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And this is Jesus talking, guys. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. No one will follow a person that they don't trust. No one will follow a person they don't trust. And you guys, we can't trust somebody if we don't spend time with them and get to know their heart. If we aren't spending time with Jesus and if we don't know the heart of the Father, man, you guys, it makes it really challenging to fully trust. When he says, pay no attention to the shortcut, follow me along this rocky path. To follow, we got to trust. And to trust, we got to know. And to love, we got to know. Why is it so important to obey him? Because obedience is linked to love. Love is linked with belief. Belief is linked with doing his work of reaching those, reaching the lost, and building his kingdom. And that was the mission of Jesus Christ. And he passed that on to us. He didn't pass it on to the masses. He passed it on to the few. He passed it on to the disciples. And he said, now you go and make disciples. And so friends, that is our mandate now. We have to go and make disciples. So what are we teaching? We have to be teaching obedience. Not out of obligation, but out of what? Affection. It's obedience out of a place of affection, not obedience out of a place of obligation. Friends, if you're obeying merely out of a place of obligation, that's religion. 
And I, I know this for a fact. That's so unfulfilling. You can't be fulfilled. You, you can't be fulfilled if that's if the obedience is out of obligation. That, that will never fulfill. It has to be obedience out of affection and growing an affection for Christ. If we want to turn to John 6, we're going to be, we're going to read, a, we're going to plow through a bunch of John 6. So you can turn to it, and, and we will hop into a couple other verses, but that'll be where we're camping. John 6, 28 through 29. Verses 28 through 29. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. The work of God is grounded in belief because if we believe in Jesus and if we believe in the things he's called us to, action will follow. If we believe, action will follow. You know, if I if I had a glass of water up here, and I don't want to frighten anybody because so I don't have a glass of water, but if I had a glass of water and I said, believe me, I'm throwing this glass of water at some point in the service. I am tossing this glass of water. That kind of motion right there, that's a toss of water. I'm going to toss a glass of water at some point in the service, believe that. You know what would happen? The first two rows would get up and move to the back two rows because they would gauge how far water can travel and action would follow belief. Friends, action must follow our belief. Belief is action. Action is demonstrated in service and work. That service and work is done out of learning and obedience to what and how Jesus says to do it. And friends, it's not just what he says to do it, it's how he says to do it. I will throw this out there. If you're going to serve with a disgruntled heart, you are not welcome to serve in this church. You're not invited and you're not welcomed. If you're going to serve out of this disgruntled, I can't believe they're making me work, then keep your lousy efforts to yourself. They're not welcome. They're not welcome. Because it's not just what we do, it's how we do it. And we do it with the heart of Jesus Christ. And we do it with love. And we do it with a humble heart. And we do it with joy. And we count it all joy. And we represent Him. And we don't want people representing him as this frumpy old God who grudgingly loves people. Because that is not my God and that is not our God. Jesus says his work will be done with gentleness and a humble heart. He says his work will be done with gentleness and a humble heart. And he says that work done this way, ah, oh, it's light and it's easy. And it brings rest to our souls. I'm going to read it again. Matthew 11, 29-30. Take my yoke, take my work upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle, and I am lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my work is easy, 
and my burden is light. The entirety of living a life in Christ should be exemplified with a peace in the midst of the storm. It should be exemplified by an ease and a lightness in the midst of fulfilling the mission. It should. Now, there's going, we're walking up that rocky road. There's going to be challenges and obstacles. But the entirety of it is light. And it brings rest to our souls. Let's look at John chapter 6. Specifically to look at one of those hard things in Jesus. Okay? We're looking to this to see one of those hard things in Jesus. Verse 23. And by the way, this is after Jesus has fed the 5,000, okay? If you're reading John, he feeds the 5,000. He walks on water. He gets in the boat with the disciples. They are instantly transported to land. This is right after that, okay? So this is the same book. This is in John. Actually, it's the same chapter. It's John chapter 6. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So this was the multiplying of the loaves and fishes, the feeding of the 5,000. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor were his disciples, nor were there free bread and free fish, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, there's that truly, truly again. I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. If I can pause right there. What's Jesus saying to us in this? Or what, what let's hope he's not saying to us is a better way. Is truly, truly, I'm saying to you guys, you're looking for me not out of affection, but because what I can do for you. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Do not work for the food. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in whom he has sent. I want to I point out that earlier in this book, in John chapter 4, Jesus said this in regards to what his food was, okay? The disciples were trying to, to feed him. Lord, you must be hungry. And he said, this is what my food is. In John 4, 34 and 35, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, open your eyes, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. And workers are needed to bring in the harvest. Back to John 6. Verse 30. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? 
Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You guys, the entirety of this crowd that's seeking out another free meal was there because he just gave them a free meal. He just multiplied fishes and loaves to feed thousands and then gathered up baskets full. And they have the audacity to say, what sign do you show us that we can believe? What work do you do? Then they jump into this. Golly gee. Where are we? All right, there we go. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but it was my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Then Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. By the way, this is the first of seven I am's that Jesus says. This is the first of those. And the name of God is I am. The name of the Old Testament God was is I am. And so this is his declaration. I am. I am God. And he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall not thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you don't believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Friends, I don't know how good those loaves and fishes were, but what Jesus is offering here is so much better than that. And he's saying, I am the bread of life. You eat upon me, you eat of me, and you drink of me, and you will never hunger, and you will never thirst again, and I will give you eternal life. So the Jews grumbled about him. And I want to point out something here. It's not saying the Pharisees grumbled about him, okay? A lot of times we look at the Pharisees or the bad guys in the story, the religious leaders. This is saying the people of, of, of his own race, the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose mother and father we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus, having the gift of discernment and prophecy and word of knowledge and word of wisdom and every spiritual gift, Jesus says, Do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on that last day. Down to verse 27. We're going to let the scripture do the heavy lifting in this. Is that okay? We're going to go ahead and let the word of God do the heavy lifting in this message. 
truly, truly, this is verse 47, truly, truly, which by the way, he says truly, truly a lot in this passage. I'm pretty sure he only says truly, truly when we're not listening. And he's saying that a lot here. I mean them, I mean we're listening, but you know, them I meant. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus is thinking, How can you not hear what I'm saying? So Jesus said to them, Truly, 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 I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I abide in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. I told you, this this is one of those hard things. Okay, this is one of those hard things. I talked about that we... We follow Jesus because we trust Jesus. But what about when those hard things come? What about when Jesus says, we're not taking the shortcut, we're taking the hard route, will you trust me? This is one of those hard things. You're going to sweat and you're going to bleed and it's going to be rough. But I'll show, I'll show what I had, I'll show my purposes and I'll show how this doesn't just benefit you, but how it benefits my kingdom. I've got both those things in mind. Follow me. This is one of those hard things. Verse 60. When many of his what? Heard it. When many of his disciples when many of his disciples heard it, they said, oof, it's a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that the disciples were grumbling about this, and this isn't talking about the twelve, okay? This isn't talking about the twelve disciples. This is other disciples. He said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? What's he saying there? He's saying, you take offense at this? What are you going to do when you literally see my body and blood broken for you? What are you going to do when I am arrested and unfairly charged and I, and I don't conquer this, 
this assault on me because this is my Father's will, and I'll gladly do it. So this offends you? What I'm saying, this offends you? I'm about to represent this. I'm about to manifest this. A year from now, I'm manifesting this. My body will be broken. My blood will be shed, and I will do it for a purpose. I will do it so that you can have eternal life. That's what I mean by feasting on me and drinking of me and eating of me. I'm talking about being connected and joined with me. And this offends you? The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe. And he knew who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. After this, many disciples turned their back on Jesus and walked with him no more. I pray that we're so teachable that we grow in maturity where that we won't be offended by Jesus and walk with him no more. Jesus is offensive at times. He's offensive to this world. It is so offensive to say Jesus is the only way to the Father. That's offensive, my friends. That is offensive. What we're saying is there's not unlimited answers to this question. There's one answer to this question, and that answer is Jesus. And friends, that is offensive. Do we have the courage to walk with him and say, I walk with him, I believe, I'm included in his plan, and I won't be shaken when he is offensive? And then Jesus invites the twelve to clarify their position. He invites the twelve disciples who remain to clarify their position. When we walk through difficulties, friends, Jesus asks us to clarify our position. When we walk through hardships, he asks us to clarify our position. Verse 67, Jesus said, Do you want to go away as well? Do you want to leave me as well? Friends, Jesus didn't ask this out of a place of insecurity. Jesus asked this so that we could move forward in a place of absolute security. Are you going to leave me as well? What about you? This is Jesus reminding us that we have been chosen. This is Jesus reminding us that we have been consecrated, that we have been dedicated for worship and service to Him. And when the difficult times come, 
and they will. I want you to hear these words of Jesus giving us the invitation to solidify and to clarify our position in Him. Verse 67. Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him. Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life and we have believed. And we have come to know you that you are the Holy One of God. Lord Jesus, where else would I go? You're the only one that brings life. Lord Jesus, where else would I go? You're the only one that saves. Jesus, I I believe in you. No, I'm not going. Jesus, I believe in you. I'm not going anywhere. Jesus, I trust you. I'm not going to be offended. I don't understand, but I know you, and I love you, and I trust you, so I ain't going nowhere. Friends, we don't always have to understand and we're not always going to understand and we're not always going to have an answer. But will we stand in the answer?